Welcome to We Drink and We Know Things, a weekly podcast doused in alcohol and lit with knowledge. Clinkies! Hello. Hi. What up, everybody? How we doing? Oh my goodness, number 48. This is the podcast. Yeah, we, we drink and we know things. Oh, we drink and we know things. I'm Andrea. I'm Tom. Welcome. Yeah, well, man. Welcome back, hopefully. Welcome back, hopefully, man. Hope y'all is doing well. Yeah. So, um, uh... I can't believe we're almost up 50. Dang. That's crazy. That is crazy. We should do something cool for number we 50. We need to make do a dope. list of what all we've covered on every episode because I genuinely can't remember. I can't either, man. We've done some... That's almost like 100 stories because there's been times where it's been like... Yeah, that's one true. One episode has been one full thing or no, something I else. So it's gotta, but it's got to be close to at least... You know, a hundred stories. I didn't it's even crazy. think about that. There'll be a test. As well as 50. we have we got all the Florida Man stuff. Fridays. All the extra stuff. We yeah. did we did an, ep- an after show or two back in the beginning. If you guys like that, let us know. Let we'll us do know. another we'll one. Do some more, man. Because yeah. they're easy. You don't have to do any work. No, we just get drunk and ask each other stupid questions. Fantastic. <laughs> we just spent the night in Indianapolis. Yep. I did uh, a little thing for work up there. So anybody who lives out there. Maybe you, we had a fun maybe time. You saw us. Yeah. Except for we decided to walk to one from one place to another, yep. and it got really cold. It was and cold, really rainy, rainy, and I regretted it. We were under we were underprepared. There were scooters left and right, and we almost bounced on one. But no, I definitely would, would not would not have gotten. I a was scooter. I wanted to man. I've always wanted to try one. Yeah, it was fun though. Except for one place we ended up at, there's like this really douchey bartender tight and tight, he kept, tight he tight. kept using the word tight, tight for cool which i'm just like you guys are from louisville tight tight it's tight. 2020 buddy why yeah. can't you just say cool yeah he said he was scared at one point that he was gonna get eaten oh he said well no okay that you just said that out of really weird context no he was talking shit kind of well he was like i lived in louisville for a year yeah and in old louisville. he's like he's like indiana's gross we're 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 or creepy creepy we're creepy yeah, but creepy but louisville's you know, scary. Like, I actually felt like I was going to get eaten at one eaten. point. I was like, what? That's Florida. I covered it on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like our basalt usage, very low here. Just, very low. I was like, yeah, okay, buddy. That was really, that's yeah. a really weird thing to say. Man. So today, I actually went and got some, uh, I got something. I went and got something today. I got- the storage bin? Nope, I uh, I got, oh, I got a couple of beehives. I'm gonna start keeping bees. Yeah. So if anybody has any tips or anything that you know about yes. that, because I don't think that you know exactly yeah, what you're, you're doing. Honey, honey, honey. No. That's not the words, no. but I sang it a lot of times today because <laughs> they were just sitting in the back of my car, and I was like, "There's gonna be bees." I don't. I just don't really know how to wrap my brain around it, but I mean, they shouldn't bother us too much. Pretty low footprint from what I've heard, and we're gonna get honey, and then hopefully we'll uh, we'll get some pollinators and some cool stuff. I feel like Stardew Valley is going to your head a little bit too. It much, has babe. absolutely <laughs> gone to my head. I just went and bought beehives, dude. You did, you <laughs> but did. I also I make mead and I use honey in brewing and stuff, and I thought yeah. it would be a really cool little thing to try out. So maybe see that on the and Insta you love the, the bees. I love the bees, man. I love the environment, so I thought it'd be cool to do something about it. 
we'll keep you posted on how that goes. I gotta uh, build a thing. He might though. be uh, find out that he's highly allergic. He might. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if y'all got any extra epipens on, <laughs> he Jackson's. might find out that it's really easy to get stung a lot. It is apparently oh. you can get you can you will get if you keep bees you will get stung. Uh, I'm not helping you. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I've got. It'll be a I've long gotten, time before we have a lot of bees. I've gotten stung by a bee once, and it was horrible yeah it hurts i actually am like low-key allergic like i got like the welt on my arm took we should up, have like, talked about this before i it bought took up like my entire house. arm when i got stung by a bee when i was uh, younger so yeah just go ahead we'll give you all the p.o box and some epi pens <laughs> i wish we had a p.o box those yeah. things are expensive they are expensive they're much more expensive we'll just give I you thought. our fucking home address just yeah don't man us. <laughs> just don't send us anthrax and if you do we'll just podcast about it so oh yeah but don't do that please uh, what else? This fucking coronavirus is taking over my. Your mom my, was my mother apparently. About it. She, I like all she could talk about is I walk in, she hands me like vitamin C and was like, "Take these." I was like, "What?" She's like, "We we've got to start taking vitamins." My, your sister said we need to start taking vitamins. I was like, "Oh my what? gosh!" And then I go out and I, I'm like, "Mom's freaking out over this virus." And Dad's like, "She gets obsessed." I go back in. She's watching the movie Outbreak. <laughs> When you told me that, I was walking around the hardware store because I'm addicted to going to the hardware store right now. <laughs> and I started laughing. That w- it wasn't like the exhale loudly through my nostrils. It was like a full on, like, of course she is. Your I'm, mom does go like full bore with that. But I was like, mom, are you just trying to freak yourself out more? And she said, no, I'm just trying to see what they do. <laughs> <laughs> it's research. Like, mom, people aren't just bleeding from the eyes and keeling yeah. over in an hour oh like they are an gosh. outbreak, mom. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so... so. But that's kind of hilarious. But yeah, I don't think it's going to be as crazy as everybody's. Hopefully. I don't know. I didn't watch the press conference. We got like today. two cans of beans in the kitchen. Yeah, you know, we're boned, dude. Over stocking up on I'm more concerned milk. about the how many boxes of wine I have to keep for two weeks. If that's what I got to be <sighs> Between in the, here. For the two of us? Oh, God. Quarantine in this oh, house? Oh, God. There isn't enough in, this, Again, in the city. we'll give you our address if you'd like to send us some wine. <laughs> Just start sending wine in bulk, babies. Also, another hilarious thing is my parents work out of their backyard. So, like, they don't even, they don't they don't even, even interact come the into the public. Yeah. They just they don't even, they could continue to work so if they had to be quarantined in their home. <laughs> so funny. Nothing, literally nothing would nothing change. Nothing would change. Because y'all have a lot of food over there. Oh, they, they, their freezer is stocked. They kick it with the Swans Man proper. <laughs> is that a is that a global thing? Or I mean, a, like a... I don't know that Swans Man's everywhere. You'd be like a, like a national thing? Yeah. I hope so. I hope y'all have the Swans Man. We don't, but we have the byproduct of your parents having it. So we always yeah. get like little, yeah. little things every once and again. If you don't know what it is, if you don't have it, it's like the... It's like a food a delivery. Big... It's like the OG food delivery service. But not like cooked food. It's a frozen food truck. Yeah, right. Yeah, it all comes in frozen. And they come in. I got. I used to fucking love when they would come because I didn't have to pay for it. And I'd be like, I want this yeah, and this, this and this, this, this and this. these ice creams. Just and my the catalog. oh my my grandma actually like my grandma my grandpa used to get it here, here. At the, yeah in this house oh uh-huh. wow this is the only house I ever lived in that I knew of okay <laughs> but they would they had a big freezer like, like short got, white freezer yeah. like we have out there and mm-hmm. it would just be full of ice cream yeah you'd always go out there and get a drumstick. Uh, ice cream bar. Man, I used to fuck up a Man. And then she would keep her cake leftovers in there too because she made cakes, you know, mm-hmm. out of the mm-hmm. basement. So. Badass cakes. But, yes. Uh, so the last two Oh, yeah, weeks, so we fucked up. I double dipped my tits on the last <laughs> two bits, so I thought it would be benefiting if you wow. went first. Well, my sister was like, you know, Tom went first twice. She's like oh, one person that gives us like... Yeah, hey, you've got a weird up. break here. Oh, you said this twice. Yeah. You forgot Tom this, fell asleep so. while y'all were editing, <laughs> and he didn't edit the podcast. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Tom went 
first twice, apparently. So. Yes. So this I time am supposed I'll be, to go first this I'll be, time. I'll be finishing us off this evening. I'll be yeah. rounding us out. You know? Are we ready to get into it? What are we drinking? What are you, what are we, what, I'm what, drinking some, like it's any different. I, I'm i drinking wine. Yeah, I'm drinking, we both uh, are. drinking a little bit of that brosé. Rosé. Yes. And I left the door open, so one of the DOGs is in the R-O-O-M. <laughs> <laughs> Like mm-hmm. he can, like he knows those words. This week on We Drink and We Know Things, we spell things. <laughs> so if you hear dog noises, it is what it is as usual. I mean, I think it's just, you know, if they've listened to one episode yeah. of this podcast, there's sure. always a bark. There's there's always at least one bark or well, fart. But he, yeah, but he's in the room, enough. so there could be a fart. Yeah. Because he just As ate. long as neither of us move and just keep this conversation Which going. he's literally laying on the wheel of your chair, so don't move. Just don't move. No, at all. I love that for me. <laughs> all right. You ready? Yeah, yeah. Well. Well. I have a, a doozy. Weird. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah. As per the usual, I'm just going to get right into it. Get right into it without giving me any of the details up front. Oh, also, I just don't. really quickly before we get into it, we watched that Casey Anthony thing last night. What? That was so random. We were just chilling on the couch. That's how I know you got me, because I was just like, no, you can leave it on. You can, you can <laughs> leave it on. Yeah. I, I turned, well, I turned it on, and I was like, I just turned the TV on, and it was like, Casey Anthony series something yeah. whatever and, and i was, it was doing like, something upstairs it was like a three-part thing uh-huh and i just was like oh, i'm just gonna keep watching this and then you came down and i was like oh that was just the end of the first part oh the second part came oh. on and you're How like that's funny. fine yeah, i can, had no idea we can watch that and then the third part came on and you were like oh we well doing the this? third part came on might as well finish I it mean, out. you had to finish it out and i fucking loved it we listened to the um it was good. Last podcast on the left about it, and they did a really great job covering it. They and actually did. The I, show was. The I'm always show up was, back and forth with them, but too. yeah, same, bro. Yeah. I love the shit they cover, though. Yeah, but I liked. I mean, I mean, they they had. A, they, I learned a lot of yes, like weird information from Their them that shit I didn't taught that with I didn't information. know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, there's so many of them. Yeah, I don't know. They all sound the exact same to yeah. me, and they're always just like <laughs> con- there's just a constant stream of talking, so I have no idea who's saying what. But yeah, I like. I enjoy the podcast. But yeah, it was good. I don't I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was like an ID special, I think, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It was wild. That story is wild. We'll, we'll cover we, we were talking on about probably covering, that, covering yeah. it together because we both have listened to stuff about it and also watched if y'all got anything it. like big and crazy y'all think we should cover for episode fifty. Hit yeah, us if up. you want us to cover something in together. Two weeks, so. Yeah. I don't I mean It's yeah. been a minute since we covered something together. But yeah, um I don't like spoilers. I like to just get, I get, it. get the story. Yeah, you know? just get into it, man. So all right. I'm going to tell you about what? Mainly a woman named Catherine Knight. Catherine Knight. Yes. Mm, sounds like somebody Bruce Wayne would date. <laughs> who has a secret double identity. Okay, cool. So, so Catherine Knight was born and raised in an unconventional and quite dysfunctional family environment. Okay. Don't even start, right? Her I mother, mean, based on nope. Her mother, Barbara uh, Rohan, apparently. Is Rohan. Um, had been married to Jack Rohan and lived with him in the small town of Aberdeen in New South Wales, Hunter Valley in, in Australia. Australia. That's where those big, those huge fires were and was in oh, South really? New South Wales. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So Barbara and Jack had four sons before Barbara began an uh, adulterous rela- relationship with Ken Wright. A friend oh, okay. and co-worker of her husband's. Ouch. Yeah. The Rowan and Knight families were well known in the conservative rural town, and the affair caused 
quite a major scandal. Quite the mix-up, eh? Did you hear the Sheila is messing with the other guy? <laughs> her name's <laughs> Catherine. Oh, yeah, sorry, I called her Sheila. That's sorry, Catherine. Yeah, That's I've your mum's name. Yeah. <laughs> It's also, I think it's like what they call ladies. Is a Sheila? Oh, I see. In I Australia, see. In Australia, call her a Sheila. I, I only know that from the, the Outback, Outback commercials. <laughs> so I apologize if there's anyone listening in Australia. In the, I the bathroom, Sheila's and blokes. Sheila's and blokes. I don't know. Yeah, all right. Have another blooming <laughs> onion. It actually really confused me like when I was like younger. Like, which one do I go in? What's, this, what's a bloke? <laughs> Am I a bloke? <laughs> <laughs> Is that for kids? Okay. Hmm. So... Local backlash actually forced Barbara and Ken to leave Aberdeen and move to Moray. Moree. It's M-O-R-E-E. Okay. Uh, no, Moree. All right. Moree. All right. Probably. All right. I'm going to try really hard to not do that through this whole fucking thing. Same, but I don't know how it's going to go for me, really. <laughs> Stop. Kind of invested now. <laughs> so none of her four sons actually went with her. The two older boys continued to reside with their father, while the two Damn. younger sons were sent to be raised by an aunt in Sydney. Oh, Sydney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Barbara. Dad was like, I can only handle two of you little shits. Yeah. So I'm taking the eldest, and you guys are going to live with your aunt and your you know uncle the, on the west the of... Nemo address? Wallaby Way. 42, 3, 4, 42 Wallaby Way. 42 Wallaby Way, Sydney. Yeah, I was getting there. I would have gotten there. Yeah. Okay. Barbara had four additional children with Kim. So that's eight kids? Yeah. Including wow. a pair of twin girls born in 1955 in Tentafield. I don't know. I'm sorry. Right. I just feel like if I put the accent on it, I'm, I'm going to say it better. <laughs> you just use the local <laughs> jargon. Yeah, right. They're like, it's Tinderfield. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised we haven't gotten more backlash from how many places and names we've just Yeah, butchered. well, we try and I usually spell it out. So You're uh, doing great. I can't, I can't Google the, how do you say for every fucking no. place. I probably won't remember it anyway. So Catherine Knight was the younger of these twin daughters. Okay. And in 1959, when Catherine, um, was four, Jack Rohan died, and his two boys, who had been living with him, so that's Barbara's original Original two, yeah. uh, Moved in with Barbara and Ken, so. And the the other four kids. So there's six kids in the household. Sure, yeah. Okay. Yep, I think. Trying to keep my body count together here. So Catherine's father was an alcoholic who openly used violence and intimidation to rape his wife, Barbara. Oh, fucking hell. Up to 10 times a day. Oh, my God. What the How, wh- fuck? Who needs to have sex that many times any fucking way? Jesus Christ. Two is a lot. <laughs> that's, that's, God damn. That's, and that's so horrible. It's like compulsive. Like, you know what I mean? That's something right. like, there's sure. something else oh, going on. Oh, I mean, God. And he's like fucking raping her. Ugh. A piece of shit. So Barbara, in turn, often told her daughters intimate details of her sex life oh. and how much she hated sex and men. Ugh. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she's had eight kids and she gets raped ten times a day. Yeah, right. I mean, I get it. Later, when Catherine complained to her mother that one of her partners wanted to take part in a sex act that she did not want to perform, uh, didn't want to do, uh-huh. Barbara told her to, quote, put up with it and stop complaining. Whoa. Yeah. Which is like so just some dude she was banging or like... Yeah, her partner or somebody she was like, yeah. I guess was like, hey, let's do a three-way. And yeah. she was like, I don't want to do that. And the mom was like, just deal with that. That's men. That's men. You just got to deal with that. Oh, so Catherine claimed she was also frequently sexually assaulted by several members of her family. God. But apparently, oh, though, on. not by her father. But I'm assuming a brother. Brothers, yeah. Uh, which continued until she was 11. Oh, no. Yeah. Although they have... Although there's, like, a lot of doubts about the details, psychiatrists accept her claim as all of her family members confirm the events did happen, so. So that's enough proof? Yeah, I guess, yeah. 
So Ken Knight, her dad, was in Abattoir. Abattoir. Okay. A-B-A-T-T-O-I-R. Abattoir. Uh, an abattoir slaughterman who traveled with his family throughout Queensland and South New South Wales, working 12-hour shifts, getting work wherever he could. So it's like a slaughterhouse, you know? Sure. And yeah. Ken and Barbara and their six kids eventually settled in Aberdeen in 1969. Summer of 69. <laughs> no, this is too dark to even fuck around with, though. So, I can already tell. Oh, buddy. Okay, so the only people Catherine was actually really close with was her twin sister and her uncle Oscar Knight, who was a champion horseman. Oh, all right. But Catherine was devastated when he actually committed suicide in 1969. And weirdly... If something nice doesn't happen to this poor girl... And she actually claims and maintains that that his ghost um, would always... Would visit her. Her uncle's ghost would come visit her. Okay. I don't know. Now I don't know if this is going to be paranormal. If this is going to be just... (laughs) I hope she. I hope she kicks some. I hope somebody fucks with her and she kicks their fucking ass. Is Don't what I speak hope. too soon, buddy. So okay. Oh what? She. Who am I supposed to be rooting for right now? So she attended Muswellbrook no, High but- School, and became a loner. And she's remembered by her classmates as a bully who stood over smaller children and bullied smaller kids. She's got a lot going on. I mean, yeah. bullying is never okay, but she's got a lot going sure. on. She assaulted at least one boy at school with a weapon. And once injured, he was probably talking shit though. Whoa! And once injured, uh, she was once injured by a teacher who was found to have acted in self-defense from her because she was like attacking the teacher. Yeah, but then it's also said that when she wasn't in this like crazy rage, she was a model student and even earned awards for good behavior. Which I'm assuming Uh, they awarded her for the good behavior so that maybe like she she wouldn't do the fucked up bad behavior. Psycho. Yeah. With that being said, oh, man. she ended up leaving school at the age of 15 and was totally illiterate. She never learned to read or write. Oh, no. So I guess they, uh, they just had to give her awards for... Um, I was about to say, she's a model student. Her behavior. I'm not trying to talk shit, but model students can, you know, at a certain grade, can you can read she's stuff. She's 15 and apparently couldn't, could barely read or write. She at least able write. to burn through a chapter book. So that's not good. I mean, what's the school doing? How are they letting her get to 15 without like well, learning I mean, shit, though? You know, was she just really good at faking it? Like she just, they just, she just had to verbally say everything. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so she worked at a clothing factory as a cutter, and about for just like about twelve months. And after that, about twelve months later, she left to start at what she called her dream job. Uh, and then everything worked out, which was everything was fine. Cutting up awful at the local abattoir. Cutting up what? Offal. O-F-F-A-L. What's that? I don't know. Huh. But it's an animal. It's cutting up or something. Or maybe it's a bunch of animals. Hold on. Let me Google it. Okay. So, sorry about that. I looked it up. Awful. Offal? I don't know which way you say it. Okay. It's, well, when I first Googled it, it said Food. But sure. then it says, the entrails and internal organs of an animal used as food. Dream job. She got her dream job cutting up intestines and shit. Yeah, dream job. Oh, man. Somebody give this girl a fucking hug, man. So she's still li- is she still living? Do we know if she's still living at home at this point? Yeah. Uh, her dad and brother and, like, I think some other siblings worked there as well. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. 
Yeah, so she was quickly, after she got there, promoted to boning, which is, ew. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> this is a family show. <laughs> what do you mean, boning? And she was given what would end up being one of her proudest possessions, a set of razor-sharp butcher knives. What did she do with these butcher knives when they weren't in use? She kept them hung over her bed. Oh, she's proud of them. Yeah, and... They were the, she also kept, just don't hit the walls too hard. I know, right? That's fucking don't, terrifying. Don't, hit, don't bump them walls. No. She said that she kept them there so that quote they would always be handy if I needed them. This is you never know when you're going to need to cut up a fucking who knows man beef tip in the middle of the night or defend yourself. I don't know. And she, That's a t- if I if if I'm a prowler and I sneak in and there's just a wall, I know, right? Of butcher knives. You grab one shit. to defend yourself. He grabs one to kill you. You guys have a. St- Fight, that's the, sword that's fight. just the beginning of the next Quentin Tarantino movie, actually. <laughs> I'm excited for it. And also, this is something that she did, like, everywhere. So this she did at her parents' house, and then any, every, anywhere and everywhere anyway, she, she resided after that, she would she had them her, over her bed. Her signature knife. Yeah. She's going to cut a bunch of motherfuckers <laughs> up. If she butchers people like a... Oh, buddy. I like how you should have guessed. It's really funny. So Catherine then met co-worker, 22-year-old truck driver, David Stanford Kellett. David, be nice to her, but keep your distance at the same time. I accidentally just realized I didn't write driver. I wrote Durver. He's a Durver. He's an old truck Durver. He didn't want an old truck driver. Uh, and this was in 1973. Okay. He was an alcoholic. And wildly enough, well, he had previously worked for the railways at Coffs Harbor. And his best friend was killed in front of him in a shunting accident. And he was... Jesus. Later, present, when a train hit a school bus in Kempsey, killing six children in 1968. Nobody in this story has had a good time. Yeah. He actually helped rescue the injured and removed bodies um, at this incident, which apparently his heavy heavy drinking was attributed to these incidences because he kind of saw like a lot of fucked up shit. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought you were saying like he caused them somehow. No, no, no. Okay, he, yeah. he saw his best friend get... Killed, and then and see then, a bunch of kids probably get killed. And, and move their bodies and help survivors. So, Jesus. I mean, he's kind of like, I, I probably need, need a drink. I mean, I no bullshit. Fix. I would have a drink or two sure. after that. Yeah. He was transferred to Muswellbrook after causing several derailments due to falling asleep while shunting. Oof. I don't know what shunting is. Pause. <laughs> Let me look it up. <laughs> okay, I looked it up. <laughs> shunting push or pull a train or part of a train from the main line to a siding or from one track to another okay and that can cause derailments because he failed to do his shit right yeah 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 i can see how you get fired do for these that. googles before yeah i, I might start. want to in my brain i just picture the person like the old school like like a train they go they pull like a lever yeah and, like the train track goes like moves i feel like i played like, that game I so know. i played that video game like 20 <laughs> times Catherine and David soon began dating. Good for them. I hope everything works out. I read this somewhere, which I don't know if it's true, but I read that sometimes he would actually hook up with her, hook up with her twin sister, as well. I don't know. Maybe he got confused. He got <laughs> I, yeah, I really sure, and she did too, true. right? I really hope that's not true. But Oof. I did. I did read that on Oof. one side. It was known that if David was to get into a fight, that Catherine would step up behind him with her like fists backing him up. Damn, she was a gangster. Yeah, and Catherine did end up becoming like very strong. 
She's buff. She's a very strong woman. I'm she's assuming buff. in this line of work, you gotta be tough. You get pretty strong. Yeah, so she's she, she's a she's a she's strong stout. woman, right? Yes. And she was well known for physically threatening anyone who upset her. <laughs> I will fuck you up. I will fucking punch you in the head. I believe you. So, all right, all right, Catherine. Okay, it's fine. I'm sorry. In 1974, Catherine and David got married. Good for them. They arrived at the service on Catherine's motorcycle. Oh. And okay. as soon as they got there. Was he riding on a sidecar or was he just like I think he, holding on the back? Or I, He was pretty drunk, but I think he was driving. I don't know. Oh. I would assume he was driving. It was her motorcycle though. Yeah. Oh, maybe he was in the back. She fucking I don't know. I love that image way more. Yeah, him holding on to her <laughs> in a wedding dress or something. Oh, oh God, God, I'm going to hurl. <laughs> as soon as they got there, Barbara, Catherine's mother, said to David, the old gal, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do it. Uh, I can't. The old girl said to me, this is like the quote, the old girl, Knight's mother, said uh-huh. to me to watch out. You better watch this one or she'll fucking kill you. Stir her up the wrong way or do the wrong thing and you're fucked. Don't ever think of playing up on her, like cheating on her. Sure. She'll fucking kill you. And that was her mother talking. She told me she's got some she's got something loose. She's got a screw loose somewhere. Oh. That's her mom. Happy wedding day. At her wedding. Happy wedding day. What? Oh, buddy. It turns out that was probably sound advice. Because that night, David woke up to Catherine strangling him okay on their wedding night the reason you might ask why she was strangling him was he just snoring too loud it was because a drunken david fell asleep after only having sex with Catherine three times jesus (laughs) apparently really pissed her off they got some you get a solid five times on your wedding night yeah (laughs) this however did not scare david off and the two continue their like, relationship. Yeah, choke me, choke me. <laughs> yeah, well. And they continued their relationship. Okay. In 1975, Catherine got pregnant. Oh my gosh, congratulations. But the violence also continued. There was one particularly violent night when David was out uh, at a darts competition that he actually ended up winning. Good for you. But it kept him out later than he was supposed to be. Oh, you're fucked, bro. He arrived home late. To Catherine basically lying in wait with a fucking frying pan. Oh, she whooped his ass. She used to hit him over the back of the head with. Oh, that'll fuck you up. That shit would hurt. She also put all of his clothes in the bathtub and burned them. What's he supposed to wear? She was also heavily pregnant. Just saying. Damn, she was. She's 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 a force. He fled the scene, collapsing at a neighbor's house where the police were called, and he was treated for a severely fractured skull gee she beat the fuck <laughs> out of him some frying pan jesus cast iron <laughs> i mean the 70s cast that was probably iron, heavy but, duty oh my gosh the police wanted to press charges but Catherine actually convinced david not to so everybody basically just went back home and went back to you know, i mean i hope he got to stay at the stuff. hospital for a minute i don't jeez I, I guess they were like just keep an eye on it take some aspirin i don't know walk it off bud in May 1976, shortly after the birth of their first child, Melissa Ann, oh. David, unable to cope with uh, her possessiveness and violent behavior, actually left her for another woman oh, and moved she's to gonna Queensland. Kill you guys. She's so going to she, fucking kill you. So she moved to, he moved to, to Queensland. This did not go over well with Catherine. And the next day, she was seen pushing Melissa, her baby, 
in a mm. stroller down the main street of like town, violently throwing it from side to side. Oh, fuck. She was admitted to St. Elmo's Hospital in Tamworth, where she was diagnosed with postnatal depression and spent several weeks recovering. Okay. Okay. And then everything was cool after that. I got a lot more pages of notes, so oh, I'm going to go with no. After being released, Catherine got her baby back. Good. And very clearly, not having recovered, she placed two-month-old Melissa on a railway line shortly before a train was due to roll Shut through. Shut the fuck up. She then stole an axe. Hold on. Where's the baby? On the railroad tracks. Where'd she find an axe? Um, She found it. <laughs> oh, dog fart. Jesus. Yuck. Oh. Um, she stole an axe from like someone's backyard. The baby's still on the train line? She left the baby on the track. She just peaced. Yeah. Went and found an axe and went into town and threatened to kill several people. What happened to the baby? <laughs> the baby's still on the tracks. I'll get there. A man in the district known as Old Ted, who was foraging near the railway line, found and rescued the baby. Come on, old Ted. But all accounts only, but but by all accounts, it was only like literally minutes before the train was about to pass through the town. Jesus. Catherine was arrested and again taken to St. Elmo's Hospital, but apparently recovered and signed herself out the next day. No. Yep. No, no. Yep. Nobody. Yep. No, dude. Yeah, she did. A few days later. She, not, she put her baby on a rail line and then tried to, she got to act like she was going to kill some people. Yeah. And she got to leave the next day. A few days later, Catherine slashed the face of a woman with one of her knives and demanded she drive her to Queensland to find David. Oh, David. David. (laughs) I knew that was going to happen. Oh, David. The woman escaped after after, um, they stopped at a service station. I think I think she like stopped. She, I think she had her kids in the car too, and got like her son out to go get help with a slashed face. Um. Yeah. Right. But by the time the police arrived. Catherine had taken a young boy hostage and was threatening him with a knife. Oh, no. She was disarmed. This is really funny. I guess police work is different in Australia. She was disarmed, disarmed when police attacked her with brooms. <laughs> <laughs> Not, Grab the service brooms. She's got a knife, and they're like, get it with the broom. No, they had guns. The they were like, <laughs> no, let's do, it. let's do it for a challenge. Let's yeah. take it down with the brooms. Keep it down. Keep it down. <laughs> so Catherine was admitted to the Morissette Psychiatric Hospital. And she told the nurses that she intended to, intended to kill the mechanic at the service station because he repaired David's car, which allowed him to leave. Okay. And then she was going to kill her husband and his mother when she arrived in Queensland. So that was she got, that was her goal. I swear to God, if she checks herself out the next day. Well, police obviously found David and informed him of this incident. Okay, David. And her threats, right? And he did exactly what you would think he was going to do, right? I hope he does. Wrong. Great. He did the opposite of what you fucking think. He left his girlfriend and he moved to Aberdeen with his mother to support Catherine. Say, huh? <laughs> He's like, oh, she's going through it. Okay. 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 I know that like she maybe wanted to kill me, but like she's just going through it. Mother of my kid. Bruh. Mom. I know she wanted to kill you too, but let's go. Let's go support her. Let's go get closer Come on. to her. Let's, go, like, let's go hang out. Her. Yeah, let's Come go on, directly mom. to her. Yeah. Oh, so, okay, bud. 
Catherine was released on uh, August 9th, 1976. And she was released into the care of her mother-in-law. And along with David, they moved to Woodridge, a suburb of Brisbane, where she obtained a job at the Dinmore Meatworks. She bring her knives with her? I'm sure. Great. All seemed to be kind of going well. And on March 6th, 1980, they had another daughter, Natasha Mari. Despite him coming back for her and them having another child, Was she she still a dick to him? Regularly went into violent rages over nothing. And she would assault David with her fists, kitchen appliances, and anything else she could get her hands on. God. So... My man just getting the shit kicked out but of him. But this kind of threw me for a loop. In a surprising move in 1984, Catherine actually left David. Oh. He came home to find the house bare. She took their two daughters and everything that wasn't nailed down and moved. What? Yeah. First to her parents' house in Aberdeen, then to a rented house in nearby Muswell Brook. She also returned to work at the abattoir. But she injured her back the following year and went on a disability pension. Okay. Okay. So now that she no longer needed rent accommodation close to work, the government actually gave her a housing commission residency in Aberdeen. Okay. She's back in Aberdeen living off the government. Okay. Okay. I'm with it. Nothing bad is happening. Nothing too terrible. Still is able to have her kids after all of this. She still have the kids? She has the kids. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 It's okay that you can just put one on a railroad track, but that's fine. She still has that kid with her. Both of them. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. In 1986, Catherine met 80... No, I literally almost said 83 instead of 38. <laughs> Whoops. Get it to your cutoff. No she more met rose. 38-year-old minor David Sounders. Another David. She likes Davids. David. So this is a different David. A few months later, she moved in with her... He moved in with her and her daughters... But he kept his old apartment in Scone. Scone? Scone? I don't know. I don't either. It's literally written like the word, like Scone, like what you... Go for it. Catherine, surprise, surprise, soon became jealous regarding what he did when she was not around and would often throw him out. Ugh. He would move back into his apartment, but she would always follow and beg him to come back home. Come back. Oh, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. (laughs) Get out. No, come back. Get out. Megan, no, come back. Megan, your coat. Megan. <laughs> this is this part is fucking horrible. Uh, here we go. And if you're sensitive to animal stuff, maybe just skip ahead like five seconds. I don't think you can really do that, but oh, but it is. It says a lot about her, and so I've got to say it. In May of 1987, David Saunders had an a two month old dingo pup. Okay. She cut the throat. Of the dog in what front the of him. Fuck in front of him. Yeah, she did this as an example of what would happen if he ever had an affair. Jesus, that poor dog. Get I fucking the, hate that so much. Get the fuck out of there, David. I mean, she like slices up animals all day, every day. So where she did, so she didn't mean shit to her. But it's a puppy. It's a dingo. Um, but then she went on to knock him unconscious with a frying pan. Different David. She likes... Same frying pan. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> oh, the poor pup, though. Oh, the poor everybody. Uh, Even this... her, because there's clearly, you know, there's clearly some bad Ugh. shit going on, you know. This somehow did not scare him away. How is that possible? I mean... How is that or possible? Or maybe it scared him to stay. 
That probably makes more sense. If she can slit the puppy's throat, what the fuck is she going to do to me? Puppy's way cuter than him. Yeah, right? In June 1988, she gave birth to their to a third daughter. But with... this was different David. Yes. Okay. But after he she slit the throat of his puppy. <sighs> sorry, if you skipped ahead, I just repeated it. Yeah. And hit him over the head with a frying pan. They had another kid. Oof. So this was uh, her third daughter, Sarah. This actually got David to put a deposit on a house for them. Okay. Catherine paid off the deposit when her workers' compensation came through in nineteen in nineteen eighty nine, and she was, I would like to say, quite the interior designer. Same. She decorated the house with knives, animal skins, skulls, horns, rusty animal traps. What? Leather jackets, old boots machetes rakes and pitchforks that's how she decorated the cribbo yep no space including the ceilings was left uncovered it's like a fucking cracker barrel in there (laughs) jesus of murder so (laughs) he's not excited the dog is not excited about where the story is going on yet another occasion Catherine and david got into another argument where she hit him in the face with an iron. Oh, okay. Before stabbing him in the stomach with a pair of scissors. Oh, shit. She, she's fucking these dudes up. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So this, I guess, was the last straw for this David because he moved back to Scone. But when he later returned home, he found that she'd cut up all of his clothes. She loves talking up these dudes' clothes, I too. I know, she's, she's very methodical. I mean, she's, she, you know what I mean? So David Saunders, Saunders took a long-service leave and went into hiding from his job. Right? Wow. Catherine tried to find him, but no one admitted to knowing his whereabouts. Oh, good for He just fucking yeah. ducked out. And several months later, he returned to see his daughter and found that Catherine had gone to the police and unjustly told them that she was afraid of him. And so they issued her an AVO, which is an apprehended violence order against him. Damn. Damn. She's like, no, 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 no. He's the violent one. No, he's the violent oh, one. Oh, fuck, bro. Yeah. So in 1990, Catherine became pregnant again. Who? Which David? By a 43-year-old farmer abattoir co-worker, John Chillingworth. John, you're in it. Now. You're in the shit now, buddy. And she gave birth uh, the following year to a boy named Eric. <laughs> Their relationship actually lasted three years. Uh, how many? How many really bad things happened? But no, there's. I, I don't have any details on that one. Maybe he was. I don't know. The one having it. But she actually left him for a man she had been having an affair with for some time, named John Price. So it's two Davids and two Johns. No. What? I thought the other guy was John. We got two Davids and a John. Oh, okay. Yeah. Two Davids, I think. Two Davids and a John. And then she left John for John. Oh, fuck. You're right. Yeah, dude. Oh, because he goes by a different name, so I didn't even register. Oh, okay, yeah. She's like, David, David, John, John. David, David, John, John. That's... David, David, John. Wow. David, John, and yeah. David, John. Weird. I didn't realize that. I heard you said his name. So, John Charles Thomas Price. Oh, he's fucked. He's got too many first names. Born... April 4th, hey, 1955, yes, was the father of three children mm-hmm. and reputedly, quote, a terrific bloke. All right. Yeah. And liked by everyone who knew him. Um, his own marriage had ended in 1988. And 
While his two-year-old daughter remained with his former wife, the two older children lived with him. Okay. He went by Pricey. So his name was John Charles Thomas Pricey. So I'm going to be calling him Pricey now because that's what he went by. Okay. Pricey was well aware of Catherine's violent reputation um, as she moved into his home in 1995. But his children actually liked her. So I guess she was nice to them. He was making a lot of money working in the local mines. And apart from violent arguments at first, quote, life was a bunch of roses. So in 1998, Catherine and Pricey had a fight over his refusal to marry her. Okay. Shocking. He would refuse that. In retaliation. <laughs> oh, this no. Is, she's fucking, What's she going to do? Burn his clothes? She's a bitch. Hit now, him with a frying pan? She did something really mean and worse. She videotaped items he had allegedly stolen from work and sent the tape to his boss. What the fuck, bro? Yeah. So the items were apparently out-of-date medical kits that he had just, like, gotten out of the company garbage. Sure. That were like, these are fine. Like, I'm, I'll, I'll use them. Yeah. Um, he didn't, like, they was still, like, company property or whatever. And she got Pricey fired from his job that he had been at for 17 years. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, that would be His boss was just like, well, sorry, you did steal from us, so sorry. But like, come on! He you was were probably it three away. years away from his pension, and they were like too, throwing like... it away anyway. You know? Oh, so pricey. So that same day, this pissed him off, and he kicked her out. Okay. Okay. And she returned to her own home. Uh, while news of what she had done spread throughout the town, every you know everybody kind of figured out what was happening. Uh-huh. A few months later, he restarted the relationship with her. What is going on? What does she oh, got dude, going on? You know what's crazy is I've got to show you a picture because A, she's not an attractive woman. B, she's not smart because she we know she can barely read or write. She's she's got something. I guess, she's got something. I guess she's that, got something. I guess that V is like blue. Got it, man. So she's got the re- some somewhere somehow she's got the recipe, buddy. Something. Jesus. Yeah. So. Now he, although now he refused to allow her to move back in with him, you know, they did start up the relationship again. The fighting became even more frequent and most of his friends would no longer have anything to do with him while he was with her. There's your sign, man. No, dude. Fuck. Their fights continued and they would get drunk and argue over like her getting him fired. And a pretty appropriate thing to argue about. But don't date her again. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. What has she got? I know. Jeez. Oh, Google her. Do a Google. Look at her picture. Do a Google. Oh, so here's a couple pictures of her. <laughs> no, bro. What? <laughs> oh, no, bud. I mean, she's not. She's not cute. She's not. I mean, she's a, this she's one? a woman. What you is know what I mean? Go- she's Why is she like all dirt in that yeah. picture? She's got like her, like her teeth It out. was a different time. She's not cute. I mean, I'm not trying to shame her for her looks. Well... Yeah, I'm just saying. But she looks about she it. She like, looks about as nice as she is. In with this what story. she's getting away with, you think she'd be like Marilyn Monroe? Like, come on, dude. She got something. Okay. She so. she makes she must make she's got a dirty. You know what I'm saying? She's freaky. Well, her mom to tell her to just put up with it. So maybe she did do some freaky shit. She's freaky, right? Buddy. Oh, okay. Sorry. So the arguments escalated into violence, and after a series of assaults, which included Catherine 
stabbing him in the chest with a knife Jesus. during an argument in their kitchen on Tuesday, February 29th, 2000. <laughs> if you get stabbed She's, and stay in the relationship. I know, right? So you need some help and you need to reach out to somebody. But Pri- also, what the fuck, bro? Pricey went to the Scone Magistrate's Court. And took out an apprehended violence order against Catherine to keep her away from his house and hopefully out of his life once and for all, right? Yeah. But a Navy O or not is not going to keep fucking Catherine Knight away. Catherine Knight does not fuck around. So that afternoon after he did this, he actually told his coworkers that if he did not come to work the next day, it was because Catherine had murdered him. Jesus. Jesus. Anytime I hear that. And the person is murdered. I'm like, why don't go home? Well, so that's funny that you just said that. Despite the pleas from his co-workers not to go home, he stated that he was afraid that Catherine would maybe kill his children if yeah, he didn't go kids. home. So Fuck, he dude. arrived home uh, to find that Catherine, although not there herself, had sent the children away for a sleepover at a friend's house. So Catherine she's, had, she's hiding I, I in the rafters or went, something, dude. But she wasn't there. She's hiding. So she's there. <laughs> he spent the evening with his neighbors, returning home and going to bed at around 11 p.m. Okay. Earlier oh, that day, Catherine bought new black lingerie and had videotaped. This is really weird. All of her children while making comments, which had since been like interpreted as like a weird will. Like she like was taped her her kids. Giving like in a will, like as a will, like huh. I guess like so I'm gonna she's, give like, you... record like live, like she's recording the kids talking her kids, or like, something. No, her kids, like I was being like, you can have this. I'm gonna give you this, like a will. And she's not rocking the lingerie though. No, 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 <laughs> okay. ew. Okay, that's better. Ooh, God no. She later, uh, in the night, or showed up at Pricey's house, and he was sleeping. She, uh. And while he was sleeping, she sat watching TV for a few minutes before having a shower. And then she woke up pricey and they actually had sex. Okay. So she got enticed. She, I don't know. You're running out of paper and nothing terrible is happening. So I'm getting very concerned. I don't know how the shower thing didn't wake him up and the TV. I don't know. But I guess he was, well, he's a drunk. He was probably passed out. He was snoozing. But she woke him up and they had sex. Okay. And after which, you know, he went back to sleep. At 6 a.m. the next day, the neighbors became concerned that Pricey's car was still in the driveway. And when he didn't arrive at work, his employer sent a worker to see what What was was going going on. on Because they were obviously already worried about him. And he was like, if I don't come to work tomorrow. Right. So both the neighbor and the workers tried knocking on Pricey's bedroom window to wake him. And they... Then alerted the police after noticing noticing some blood on the front door. Great. So police police whoa <laughs> <laughs> police arrived at eight a.m. breaking down the back door, where they did end up finding Pricey's body, and they also found Catherine in a comatose state from taking a large number of pills. Oh fuck! Yeah, I wish I could say that they just found Pricey. You know, just like with a bad stab wound or like how many times gunshot. What happened? Um, but it's really bad. So we're gonna get into it. (laughs) Okay. Catherine had stabbed Pricey with a butcher's knife while he was sleeping. 
So after she had sex with him, he fell asleep. She yeah. stabs him. According to the blood evidence, he woke up and I guess tried to turn the light on before attempting to run away and escape from her. Oh, my God. She chased after him through the house. He managed to open the front door and almost get outside. Oh, my God. But either stumbled back in or, or she grabbed him. and Because and, she's a strong woman. She was a woman strong woman. And yanked him back into the hallway where he finally died after bleeding out. I'm going to get more into what happened. Later, um, after this, Catherine went into Aberdeen and withdrew $1,000 from Pricey's account at an ATM. Okay. His autopsy revealed that he had been stabbed at least... 37 times Jesus. in both the front and back of his body and obviously most of these oh hit vital God. organs you know which you know caused him to die what so she must have got him a good couple of times before he's running around the place and then she fucking sure i mean i don't know him. why you would try to turn a light on you're getting stabbed just run well, he's coming out of a sleep and he just sure. got, you know what i mean yeah, like sure. holy yeah. shit probably don't really even know what's going on oh my god so several hours after Pricey had died, she, Catherine didn't stop there. It didn't. She didn't stop with stabbing. You son of a bitch. Catherine skinned Pricey. I'm sorry. She skinned him. Again, I'm again. I'm sorry. She skinned him from head to toe. Andrea, what the <laughs> fuck? And she hung the skin from a meat hook. Shut. Stop. <laughs> just what on the architrave 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 uh, of a door to the lounge room okay what she then she stabs this man <laughs> a it's thousand not funny times. it's really sad i'm just it's and then reaction. she fucking skinned she, him on some game of thrones shit. she skinned him you know she knows, i wish this girl had never seen she a butcher knows shop how to in her do home. stuff with yeah. knives very well you know um oh my. she also she decapitated him and she cooked parts of his body, serving up the meat. <laughs> what? With baked potato, pumpkin, beetroot, zucchini, cabbage, yellow squash, and gravy in two settings at the dinner table. I don't want to make light, but that outside of the human meat, that sounded that sounded delightful. Yeah, well, along with uh, what notes the fuck? beside each plate where she put... The names of both of his children. She put name plates. No. Of both of I get his it. children. For the meals. Uh, as she was preparing to serve his body parts. To, to the kids. She actually cut off flank meat from his butt and made steaks out of them for the kids. She made man butt steaks for these kids. Of their father. Oh my God. Their father. How do you find this shit? How do, honest to God. Uh, apparently a third meal was thrown out the back lawn and it's really unknown if whether she had attempted to eat it and couldn't get through it or um, what was going on there. But there was a meal that was another meal of him and all that thrown what in the, the backyard. Actual absolute fuck. Yeah. Uh, what? Pricey's head was found in a pot with vegetables what like a cooking pot yes and the pot was still warm when the police came and his whole it. ass head his yeah she decapitated him she skinned him so and decapitated so it was his, it was skinned decapitated head 
So no hair, it's like his actual, like she's making like a bone broth out of his. Well, it's his like everything that would be under your your skin. No, okay, all right, I regret, okay. They said it was estimated to be. I just saw that floating in a little thing with broccoli and potatoes just now. Yeah, it was estimated to be between 40 and 50 degrees Celsius, 104 and 122 Fahrenheit when the police came. It was still that warm. It was warm. Indicating that the cooking had taken place in the early morning. So, bro. <laughs> later, Catherine arranged his body with the left arm draped over an empty soft drink bottle with his legs crossed. So, it's a skinned body. Yeah. She's got sitting at the table. One, like an arm around. At the table. Yes. With his arm around. Where the food was arranged as well. Mm-hmm. His headless skinned body. Well, she body. arranged it. I'm assuming it was at the table. It was with his arm around a, a soft drink bottle and his legs crossed. Jesus. Yeah. This was claimed in court to be an act of defilement demonstrating her contempt for Pricey. And Catherine also left a handwritten note on top of a photograph of him, which was bloodstained and covered with small pieces of flesh. God. And... You remember she can't fucking write for shit, so yeah, she's she was illiterate. The t- the the note wrote, "Time got you back, Jonathan, for rapping, which is supposed to be raping. She spelled it R A P P I N G. My daughter, which she spelled D O U T E R. Uh huh. You to Beck, which is his daughter, for Ross for little John, which is his son." Now play with little John's dick, John Price. I don't I don't even know what to make of the note, but I guess she was accusing she was accusing him of, of raping and, and the accusations the in the note were found to be completely groundless. It does not happen. It did not happen. Wow. So What the fuck? This what I'm about to next what I'm about to read now, um it's rough, but it's like the policemen the police who came it's their account of seeing the skin. Okay. It was also said that they, the police initially thought it was a curtain. They didn't even realize they it was They thought his skin. actual skin, oh my God. She did it so well that she didn't, it was from head to toe. No rips. Perfectly no. skinned. And the only thing that she left, the only piece of skin she left on the body was a the little scar tissue from where she from stabbed where him? she stabbed him, bro? What the fuck though? <laughs> so this, this is, is bonkers. This but. is from the this is the police like direct direct like quote. As mentioned earlier, I saw what appeared to be a couple. I'm sorry, a complete human skin or pelt hanging from the top architrave of the door separating the dining room and the lounge. On closer examination. I could distinguish black curly hair at the top. Oh, my God. A nose and part of the mouth and ear. About halfway down the pelt, I could see a clump of short black curly hair consistent with pubic hair. Oh. She kept the hair on it. My I could not recognize any other particular features as it continued to the floor. That is the stuff of absolute nightmare. The edges of the pelt were incised, indicating to me that it had been removed with a sharp instrument. There were also a number of distinct stab wounds to the pelt about a meter down from the top. 
The pelt was attached to the architrave by a stainless steel meat hook. The hook was pierced through the Fucking door. Fucking Christ, dude. <laughs> Sorry. The hook was pierced through the top of the head area of the pelt and then hooked over the architrave on the lounge room side of the door. The skin appeared to be... <sighs> appeared to vary in thickness from approximately one to four centimeters. <laughs> I noticed a blood trail leading from the lounge room into the kitchen towards the kitchen cooktop in the vicinity of the aluminum boiler. The boiler was on the right side rear element, which was at the time turned off, but when I lifted the lid to the boiler, I noticed it was still warm to the touch. <laughs> yeah. So. Come on, man. Okay. So Catherine's initial offer to was to plead guilty to manslaughter. So she just fucked up? Did She didn't, she was just comatose and she was just good? Oh, yeah. Th- so, yeah, they, they ended up. She was, uh, they revived, she yeah. Yeah, she didn't die. She tried to kill herself, though. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And she uh, tried to plead to manslaughter. Dude, that is not an accident. That is not. Yeah, you didn't accidentally fillet him. So this was very obviously rejected. She was arraigned on March 2nd, 2001. So this, when did when did this happen? It was like 95, 96, 98? I think I said 99. Oh, was it? Ni- wow. So yeah, in 2001, she was arraigned on the charge of murdering Pricey. To which she entered a plea of not guilty. Sure she did. Her trial was initially fixed for July 23rd, 2001, but was adjourned due to her counsel's illness, and it was refixed for uh, October 15th, 2001. So crazy. It sounds like something that would happen in those, like a million years ago, right? Yeah. So when the trial commenced, when the trial commenced, Justice Barry O'Keefe offered the 60 jury prospects the option of being excused due to the nature of the photographic evidence which they would have to like look at it's probably so fucking heavy bro and five of them actually did accept was like no i'm not looking at this you know fuck she this can scar shit, you for, yeah fuck this shit i'm out when the witness list was read out to the prospect several more also dropped out after which the jury was impaneled Catherine's attorneys then spoke to the judge who adjourned to the following day and the next morning Catherine char changed her plea to guilty and the jury was dismissed so they didn't even need a jury because she changed her yeah because they're like because you are guilty yeah we, we know it was now made public that justice o'keefe had been advised of the plea charge that day before and that's the reason he like dismissed like like adjourned to the next day sure because they were like i think she's gonna plead guilty so sure we don't even probably need this jury whatever so he ad- adjourned the trial and then ordered a psychiatric assessment overnight to determine if she understood the consequences of a guilty plea and was fit to make, you know, such a plea deal. Yeah. Catherine's legal team had planned to use the defense claiming amnesia and disassociation. Oof. Yeah. A claim supported by most psychiatrists, although they did consider her sane, two psychiatrists concluded that Catherine suffered from borderline personality disorder. Sure. I mean, clearly there's Probably. something. There's something going on. Yeah. No reason has ever been given for the guilty plea, and despite giving it, Catherine still refused to accept responsibility for her actions. She continued to deny having any recollection of what happened, and maintains that maintains that all she recalls is that they had good sex, and they both climaxed. Oh. And she watched him get out of bed to pee, and then he came back, and she presumes that she fell asleep, and that was that. She murdered him, dude. In you did a lot sleep? more than that, buddy. Yeah, you chased him all over the house. Ugh, you skinned him. 
You skinned him. And you hung can't do, it up. You can't skin a how many, You can't skin and a human a in your sleep. Meal out of him to serve to his own kids. Yeah, you can't do that. Un, not you can't do that unconsciously. Ugh. At the Jesus. sentencing, mm-hmm, at the sentencing hearing, her lawyers requested that she be excused to avoid hearing some of the facts, but the application was refused. And when Timothy Lyons took the stand and described the skinning and decapitation, she became hysterical and had to be sedated. Yeah, well, okay. you did it, bitch. Yeah. On November 8th, Justin O'Keefe pointed out that the nature of the crime and Catherine's lack of remorse remorse required a a severe penalty, and he sentenced her to life imprisonment, refused to fix a non-parole period, and ordered that her papers be marked never to be released. Oh, yeah. No chance. That was the first time... That this had ever been imposed on a woman in Australian history. Wow. Yeah. In June 2006, she appealed the life sentence, claiming that a penalty of life in prison without uh, the possibility of parole was too severe for the killing. Bitch. She skinned him. Come on. Justices Peter McClellan, Michael Adams, and Megan Latham dismissed the appeal in the New South Wales Court of Criminal Appeal in September, with Justice McClellan writing in his judgment, quote, this was an ap- appalling crime, almost beyond contemplation in a civilized society. Yeah, dude, no shit. That's a great way to say it. Seriously, like, bit, no, no, no. What you it's saw, a heinous, no. That's some like Hannibal the TV show. Horrible. Shit. Like, so she is at the Malawa Women's Correctional Center and apparently works as a cleaner in the governor's office. And she has found religion, paints, and knits. And acts as a queen bee sorting out disputes among other prisoners. The fuck, though? She is known to other inmates as the Nana. So I guess she's kind of like their little inmate mama. It's a really weird, like, it's just a strange world we live in, man. The prison officers never, uh, apparently never take their eyes off her, though. And she's not allowed anywhere near knives. And she's told other informants that she can't have a cellmate in case she... Like, has the desire to kill again. In case again. she disassociates and murders? Yeah. And Jesus. lastly, the musical group SK, SKYND directly references this case into detail about what she did in a song called Catherine Knight. Whoa. Yeah. So that is the story of Catherine Knight. That was a terrible story. Isn't that? You did a good job, but that was so heavy as fuck. fucked up. She skinned a man. It's horrifying. She skinned. Just to think. I kept. What you did was you fucked with me because I'm like, okay, first husband's going to get it. Okay, second guy's going to get it. Right. Okay, next guy's going to get it. Can you imagine being she's those gonna guys? She's going to kill her kids. It's going to be, she's gonna, it's gonna be something else. Apparently, all those guys also came back and testified at the at the, at the I court hearing, bet too. They We're did. like, no, she's crazy. Holy she shit. She tried to feed her, the their, his, him to his own kids. In what sounded like, and I hate to say this, but a delightful dish. Yeah, if it hadn't been human. She, that, that's some Hannibal Isn't that shit. crazy? Like, that's insane, man. What the fuck? I told you it was a doozy. What is this podcast? <laughs> okay, well, my turn. Yay. Time to talk about something completely different. That's probably a good thing. Yeah, that shit was heavy as hell, son. <laughs> what the hell? Sorry. Wow. <laughs> so this evening, mm-hmm. oh, we drink and we know things. The podcast. Oh, here we go. <laughs> We're going to talk about... The Cash Landrum Incident. 
Mm. Okay. An incident. An incident. On the Never e- heard of it. On the evening of December 29th, 1980, Betty Cash, Vicky Landrum, and Vicky's seven-year-old, son- seven-year-old grandson, Colby Landrum, were driving home to Dayton, Texas. They were driving in Cash's, that's Betty's, Oldsmobile Cutlass after oh, my dining dad has out. one of those. Mm-hmm, I love the Cutlass. So they're heading home. It's about 9 p.m. And while driving on an isolated two-lane road in dense woods, the witnesses say they observed a light above some trees. They initially thought it was an airplane approaching Houston Intercontinental Airport, which was about 40 miles away. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really pay too much attention to it. They were just kind of sure. like, oh, yeah, it's probably yeah. a plane. Yes. Oh, a plane. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a few minutes later on the winding roads, the witnesses saw that what they believed to be the same light as before, but thought it was now much closer and brighter. They said that the light came from a huge diamond-shaped object, which hovered at about treetop level. Oh. And that its base was expelling flame <gasps> and emitting significant heat. They could feel the heat? They said so. What? Yeah, Landrum, who's Vicky... Vicky has her grandson, so it's Vicky and Betty. Mm-hmm. Vicky being Landrum told Betty to stop the car, fearing they would be burned if they approached any oh, closer. Shit, yeah, dude. yeah. Being a born again Christian, Landrum interpreted the object as a sign of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Oh, okay. Telling her grandson, "That's Jesus. <laughs> he will not hurt us." <laughs> oh. So I Betty, thought that the devil came with heat, not Jesus. Well, sometimes <laughs> Jesus can be a little hot. <laughs> uh, so Betty Cash said she was anxious and considered turning. So she's the, she's the driver. Betty's our driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, considered turning the car around, but abandoned this idea because the road was too narrow. And she presumed the car would get stuck on the shoulders of the road, which were soft from rain. Because like dirt, like uh, dirt shoulders. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The adults said that they got out of the car to examine the object, but that Colby was terrified. That's a little boy. He's like seven. Uh, and so Landrum, who is Vicky, said she quickly returned to the car to comfort him. Betty, there's something about Bettys and aliens. Like, it's just like yeah. a, repeat, a repeated thing, man. Um, so she, she stayed outside mesmerized by the bizarre sight. Oh. Yeah. So there's a dude that wrote a book about it, which we'll talk about later, but he he outlines in his book that the object, intensely bright and a dull metallic silver, was shaped like a huge upright diamond about the size of the Dayton water tower, with its top and bottom cut off so that they were flat rather than pointed. Oh. Small blue lights ringed the center, and periodically over the next few minutes, flames shot out of the bottom, flaring outward creating the the effect of a large cone every time the fire dissipated the ufo floated a few feet a few feet downwards towards the road but when the flames blasted out again it it uh, it was like so it was almost like it was in neutral it was just like hovering there this flame would shoot out and you know go up so that was like that was her perspective as told by jerome jerome clark who wrote a book about this okay 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 the witnesses being the three folks said that the heat was strong enough to make the car's metal body painful to the touch. (gasps) Betty said she had to use her coat to protect her hand from being burned when she finally got back into the car. Why did she get back in the car? Well, that's their mode of transportation. They're driving home after dinner, and there's this fucking thing. They got out to look at it. Fuck, it's hot. Let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah. And the car was hot, so she... 
so she yeah she uses her jacket to get back in the car when she touched the dashboard vicky claimed her hand pressed into the softened vinyl leaving an imprint that was evident weeks later so like the up like the top of it yeah she like tut and it like which i feel like would have fucking hurt her hand yeah leaving an imprint that was evident weeks later investigated investigators cited it as proof of the witness's account however no photograph of it exists okay the amount of things that should exist in these stories that don't exist yeah, is such yeah, a bummer. Yeah. The witnesses said that the object then ascended over the treetops and rose higher into the sky. And then a group of helicopters come just the fuck out of nowhere. What? And approach it and surround it in a tight formation. So Betty and Vicky counted 23 helicopters. Damn. And later identified some of them as tandem rotor Boeing CH-47 Chinooks used by military forces worldwide. Yeah. So they fucking get out of the car. They see this fucking thing. It's got the lights and the fire. It ascends up over them. And as it does, all these helicopters approach it, get fucking butt-ass close to it. They're probably, it's probably too hot for them to get that close. Well, they all the same as they did. Yikes. Okay. With that... They they keep driving, and they see the they they see that they see it, and these helicopters kind of just like receding into the distance, like they're just yeah. driving away. So this weird craft, and then these n- these crafts we know to be helicopters. <laughs> yeah, yes, we do know those. To we be know helicopters. The, the from first sighting the object to its departure, the win- the witnesses said the encounter lasted about twenty minutes. Whoa! So from when they see it from the car. And so when yeah, they yeah. see it, you that's know, a long time. That's yeah, a long time. I'm thinking time. like five minutes, maybe tops in my head. Yeah, it was a long encounter. Based on descriptions given in John F. Schusler's book about the incident, it appears that the observers were southbound on Texas State Highway uh, FM 1485 when they claimed to have seen the object. The initial location of the reported object, based on the same descriptions, was just south of Inland Road. If you want to get like hella specific with sure. it, they even have the fucking I don't know the area, like but... geographical fucking locations. So the witnesses claimed that after the UFO and helicopters left, uh, Betty took the Vicky and Colby home, then retired for the evening. That night, they all reported experiencing similar symptoms. Oh, though Betty to greater degree. Uh oh. The claim was that they suffered from nausea, vomiting. And diarrhea. Heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, diarrhea. (laughs) Uh, They also experienced generalized weakness, a burning sensation in their eyes, and feelings as though they were suffering from a sunburn. Oh, no. So just generally every terrible feeling that you can have. Seriously. All rolled up into one. Over the next few days, Betty said her symptoms worsened with mainly large, painful blisters forming ah. on. so she's the one that like stayed out of the car the longest sure because vicky went yeah. back to like can you know console the kid and she stayed out there the longest yeah so yikes yeah when taken to a hospital emergency room on january 3rd cash could not walk and had lost <gasps> large patches of skin uh. and clumps of hair no she was released 12 days later though her condition was not much better and she later returned to the hospital for another fifth days jesus that's like a month so this com- this comes from uh, this stuff comes from a 1985 hbo documentary ufos what's going on Ooh. she claimed uh betty claimed she was being treated for cancer after being exposed to the radioactive ufo what 
So she got the brunt of it. So she got like they, fucked what, up. They told her she had cancer? She said she was being treated for cancer after being exposed to the... Ra- that's that's pull- This is pulled from a 1985 documentary. Okay. Whoa. The Landrum, so that's Vicky and Colby, after this uh, you know, thing happened, health was somewhat better, though they both reportedly suffered from lingering weakness, skin sores, and hair loss. Yikes. So apparently the kid didn't lost a little hair, Vicky lost a little bit more, and like Betty got like the fucking the, yeah, of it. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, no. Yeah. So this dude called Brad Sparks contends that although the symptoms were somewhat similar to those caused by ionizing radiation... The rapidity of onset was only consistent with a massive dose that would have meant certain death a few days later. Oh. Yeah, so it's like that they they were... Oh, sorry. There's like this UFO organization that said that they had strong evidence that these patients had suffered from ionizing radiation. And so then this dude, Brad Sparks, is like, yeah, that's possible. However, they would have died from that level of oh. exposure. Sure, the symptoms are relatable, yeah. but it would have inevitably killed them if they had had that level of exposure to you know this ionizing this ionizing shit so since all the victims lived several years after the incident uh said sparks who's the same guy that said that he doesn't think it was um ionizing radiation suggests that the cause of the symptoms was some kind of chemical contamination presumably by an aerosol Mm. okay so that's so this is like the instance to where somebody has a UFO exposure, mm-hmm. a group of people have a UFO exposure, and they, they suffer physical ramifications. Right. They suffer hair loss and sunburn, blisters, all, all, all kind of maladies that are all kind of similar. Yeah. So investigators later located a Dayton police officer, Detective Lamar Walker, and his wife, who had claimed to have seen 12 Chinook-type helicopters near the same area in which Vicky and Betty had claimed to have seen mm. the same thing mm-hmm. at roughly the same time. Mm-hmm. These other witnesses did not report That's a, that seeing... That would be loud. That's a lot of helicopters. 12 fucking helicopters? Yeah. Yeah, man. One day in April 1981, a CH-47, which is those Chinooks... Chinook, yeah. Yep, uh, yeah, it flew into Dayton. As Colby watched, he became very upset. Landrum, who is Vicky, decided to take him to the spot where the helicopter had landed. So Colby's a little kid. Why would she take him there? I have no idea. Uh, with the hope that it would seem less frightening no. on the ground. Well, okay. I can maybe see that. Because he like he remembers he only yeah, remembers seeing his helicopter from this. So she's like, well, let's go, let's go see it, and you'll understand it's not a big deal. So when they reached the landing zone, they found a lot of people had already gathered there and had to wait some time before they were allowed to go inside into the helicopter and talk to the pilot. Landrum, who is Vicky, and another visitor both claimed that the pilot said that he had been in the area before for the purpose of checking on a UFO mm. near where they were. When Landrum told the pilot how glad she was to see him because she had been one of the people burned by the UFO, he refused to talk to them <gasps> and further hustled them out of the aircraft. Yikes. He was like, yeah, I was here researching this, or you know, this un- unidentified thing. She's like, bro, I was one of those people. No, 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 get the fuck and out. He's like, oh, well, I was just researching it. I never found it and kicked her, kicked her the fuck out. So what happens is L- Vicky and Betty both had these physical maladies. They had these things that had happened. 
And so they contacted their U.S. senators, who at the time were Lloyd Benson and John Tower, who suggested the witness fi- the witnesses file a complaint with the Judge Advocate Claims Office at the local Air Force Base. Okay. Because obviously, it w- if these helicopters and all this, if it's all connected, yeah. then it came from the Air Force. Yeah, yeah. And also, I'm sure that these senators didn't want anything to fucking do with these fucking alien ladies. So <laughs> in, ni- in August 1981... Vicky and Betty and Colby were interviewed at length by personnel at the Air Force Base, which is Bergstrom, and were told that they should hire a lawyer and seek financial compensation for their injuries. Oh, wow. With attorney Peter Gerstein taking on the case pro bono, the case wound Dang. its way through the U.S. courts for several years. Vicky and Betty sued the U.S. federal government for $20 million. Holy for crap. this For this incident for this machine that burned them yeah. and she had you know documented and they're just hospital assuming it was like maybe a government thing something right? yeah who knows what the on august 21st 1986 a u.s district court judge dismissed their case <gasps> noting that the plaintiffs have not proved that the helicopters were associated with the u.s federal government and that military officials had testified that the united states armed forces did not have a large diamond-shaped aircraft okay no shit no shit right so um in 1981 uh vicky appeared on that's incredible a popular abc television program she was hypnotized in front of a live studio audience and under hypnosis she recounted the ufo incident well of course she did Vicky and Betty both appeared on the 1989 US TV special UFO Cover-Up Live, hosted by Mike Farrell, where they related their account to the purported UFO encounter and their subsequent medical problems and legal battles. Uh, So the Cash Landrum event was also depicted on the television program's Unsolved Mystery. Oh, wow. Mysteries, yeah, and sightings. And in 2009, Colby, who was the young man appeared on UFO Hunter's Alien Fallout. Uh, Betty died at the age of 71 Uh on December 29th, 1998, 18 years after the claimed close close encounter. And Vicky died September 12th, 2007, seven days before her 84th birthday. So we can just kind of talk about kind of the fallout and the investigations and kind of the skepticism. So Vicky telephoned a number of U.S. government agencies and officials about the encounter. When she telephoned NASA, she was steered towards NASA's... How do you telephone NASA? Not not that easily, I wouldn't I mean... think. Not to really get... I'm sure you can call NASA and get hey, like Alexa, some fun little call like... Call NASA. Yeah, right? <laughs> Alexa would be like... <laughs> <laughs> just the FBI clicks in like, you sure you want to do that, dog? Yeah. What? <laughs> What's up, bro? You want to just talk to me? I'm the FBI. <laughs> so she was steered towards NASA's aerospace engineer, John Schusler, who I talked about earlier, mm-hmm. long interested in UFOs with some associates from civilian UFO research group, Mutual, Mutual, Mercher. <laughs> Mutual UFO Network are also known as MUFON. This is like the biggest, I think one of the biggest... Um, civilian ufo groups there is like it's cost like 300 dollars to join mufon holy like, crap all this stuff. you had to get on their mailing list jesus so schlusser began research on the case and later wrote articles and a book on the subject so that when i was quoting him I, that's what yeah. i was quoting before uh-huh. 
So astronomer Alan Hendry of the Center for UFO Studies, or CUFOS, also briefly investigated the Cash-Lundrum case, which it became known as. So due to the Chinook's helicopter presence, the witnesses presumed that at least one branch of the United States Armed Forces witnessed the object. If they were not escorting or pursuing it, however, investigators could find no evidence leaking the helicopters with any branch of the military. So, of course, it wasn't... Weird. If it happened, it wasn't like an on-the-books sort of situation. Well, yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? That's a lot of fucking helicopters. Yeah. In the middle of fucking nowhere in Texas. Yeah. You know, in the middle of fucking night with a weird... Something giving off heat? Hella heat. Yeah. Which also, if you think about... If you, if you really think about alien technology and you think about UFOs and all of that, you don't really incorporate it with fire and, you know, or, you know, natural, you, you always assume it's just like this 4D dimensional omni moving mm-hmm. vessel that's not powered in any but way. It was kind of like, di- it was kind of like, that same it was like diamond shape, shape kicking mm-hmm. out just buckets of, yeah. So who knows if it was a government project? Yeah. Who knows if it was, you know, some reverse engineering of alien technologies. Who when you knows? said it was like a diamond without the top and bottom, without all I could picture was that thing we used to do in elemental. Um, the little S thing? Yeah. Yeah. You line, 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 and you connect it and it looks like a little S. It was exactly <laughs> that. Thing. It was exactly that. <laughs> in 1982, Lieutenant Colonel George Saran, mm. sorry about that, mm-hmm. of the Department of the Army Inspector General began the only thorough formal governmental investigation into the supposed UFO encounter. He could not find any evidence that the helicopters the witnesses claimed to have seen belonged to the U.S. Armed Forces. The thing that stresses me out about this is like, well, we can't prove they were American vessels. They're not saying unequivocally that they didn't exist. Yeah. They're just who saying the like, well, we don't have records. With, who, yeah. Who, what is this helicopter fucking game? The Illuminati, game? buddy. The Illuminati, buddy. Oh, the big God. boys. Them big boys. So yeah, he said they couldn't. They couldn't have existed. They they weren't a part of the U.S. Armed Forces. Uh, Saran stated that Mrs. Miss Landrum and Miss Cash were credible. The policeman and his wife were also credible witnesses. There was no precipitation that anyone was trying to exaggerate the truth. In 1998, journalist and UFO skeptic Philip J. Glass, mm. Philip Glass, Bill found Glass. a few reasons to doubt the story. By Vicky and Betty. Okay. When Schusler, who's the guy we talked about before that wrote the book, yep. inspected Betty's car in early 1981 and used a Geiger counter to check for radioactivity, he found none. Hmm. Presumably, he also checked for radioactivity when he visited the site of the alleged incident and found no abnormal radiation. Schusler provides no medical data on Betty's health prior to the UFO incident. Nor does he provide any medical data on the prior health of Vicky or Colby. Okay. Okay. So in 1994, UFO skeptic Stuart Campbell suggested that the witnesses may have observed a mirage of cannabis, which lay exactly in line with the road, although it was 26 degrees below the horizon at that time and location. So he's like, they saw some. Bull- they just yeah, but they weren't the only people who saw the helicopter. That's the thing. Other UFO researchers point out that high-energy ionizing radiation of the kind that can cause damage to human beings, such as gamma radiation, does not induce radioactivity in objects and would not have left behind any residual radioactivity in the area. Okay. So he's like, yeah, you didn't find any in the car at the site because it only affected the people. Yeah. 
didn't affect. I see. You know, I didn't see, affect. Yeah, 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 yeah. Similarly, skeptical British ufologist Pre- Peter Brooksmith writes, skeptics, 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 hash, hash, hash. skeptics have always asked a blunt and fundamental question. What was the trio state of health before their alleged encounter? But they didn't all have fucking cancer yeah. or some weird shit. One of them was a fucking seven-year-old. Yeah, one of them yeah. was a fucking seven-year-old. Yeah. Brooksmith also wrote, To ufologists, the case is perhaps the most baffling and frustrating of modern times. For what started with solid evidence for a notoriously elusive phenomenon petered out in a maze of dead ends, denials, and perhaps even official deviousness. Hmm. So in December 2018, Brian Dunning investigated the case and reported his findings on the Skeptoid podcast. That's not a plug. He found that Cash's doctor's notes attributed her hair loss to the autoimmune disease alopecia. Okay, what? That her other symptoms could be caused by the illness, uh, by an illness that started before the incident. And that Landrum's only documented illness is developing a cataract in one eye. Dunning concludes... In my experience, it is completely possible that Cash and Landrum, Vicky and Betty, wrongly but honestly placed the blame for their health problems onto whatever they saw. No, what? And even pushed the truth a bit by trying to get the Air Force to pay for it. When you believe in your heart that the Air Force did something wrong that harmed you, you don't necessarily feel that it's wrong to exaggerate evidence. Hmm. Like seeing the words Air Force on the side of the helicopters, adding on symptoms to people who didn't have them, even faking sunburn spots on your arm, as long as it's in a pr- pursuit. She was of in the what hospital for like thirty days. Yeah, she was in the hospital for a grip. Yeah. So that's pretty much everything. Whoa. So essentially, they're driving. Yeah. They see this thing. They have all these health issues. They try to sue. It all falls apart. Apparently, like a dude from Project Blue Book, like came and interviewed them, which is like the official UFO. What the heck, yeah. dude? So yeah, they both died. Colby's still alive. He would be a he would be a you know a middle aged man at this point. I wonder if he ever talks to anybody. He or... did like he did like well, one yeah. TV spot, but yeah. that's all. Yeah. yeah. Whoa, that's wild. I thought that one was weird because it was like they got like burns and the car. Yeah, ended up and she and... actually like went to the hospital and like had this shit. Yeah, hair loss. There's like pictures. I don't know if they're real or you know fake. That's but there's, wild. Like, pictures of them like without their hair. Yeah, and stuff I like mean. That. If it's not, that's a wild ruse to get some gum- money from the government uh-huh. by trying to blame it on, I don't know, government and aliens or something. Yeah, which, I mean, amazing. Can you ima- imagine being like just some regular folk heading home from dinner in Texas? You see this weird thing, you keep driving, and then for some reason this thing gets close to you. And like your friend's like, no, let's just spill some hot McDonald's coffee on ourselves. And, <laughs> and then and she's like, no, 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 better yet. Let's see a UFO. Yeah. Surrounded by military help. Yeah, the military is paid. (laughs) But no, I think it's so crazy. It's so like Stephen King or Steven Spielberg in a way that it's like this normal thing. Yeah. And then this vessel shows, you know, gets really close to them and it's exhaust or whatever is fucking them up. That's funky, And then the military swings in and they go away and then they take it. They try to sue for 20 million. It's amazing. That's That's crazy. I mean, it's a bucket of money. Wow. Good job. Thank you so much. That's crazy. So yeah, that is the uh, Vicky and Betty incident, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Cash Limbaugh incident. <laughs> what? Not Limbaugh. Cash and Landrum. <laughs> <laughs> we drink and we know things. Wow, cool. <laughs> so thank you guys um, so much for listening to yeah, our podcast. Sorry, this is probably a long guy, and I'm sorry you had to listen to my 
horrific story. <laughs> Can we have some more ghost stories, dude? Uh, Jesus. Uh, hey, the one before this one wasn't that great either. Uh, it was not. Um, uh, it was sc- the last couple have story. been just super creepy. Yeah, they have been pretty brutal, They've huh? Been creepy. I keep thinking I'm like not was doing scary. as bad. The exorcism, exorcism was scary. The penitentiary. This one was scary. Yeah, yeah the prison. You've been on a tear, bud. Whoops. <laughs> I've been hanging out with aliens and stuff. <laughs> Get some. I found a cool little cornerstone thing. Yeah. Anyway, so, you guys, we'll email us at yes. Drink Nothing's Podcast at Gmail with suggestions or anything you want us to cover. Um and rate review wherever you listen subscribe share us tell your friends please <laughs> we're desperate and uh, thank you guys so much for listening yeah and we'll see you uh, for Florida Man Friday yes and uh, thank you all so I guess much that's it huh bang a ring bye 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 bye.